0: about her book, Purpose, Passion, and Pajamas, How to Transform Your Life, Embrace the Human Connection, and Lead with Meaning. Genevieve Pitero, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: Thank you. So nice to be
0: here, John. It is a pleasure to be with you today. You're joining us from outside of Manhattan. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be discussing the topic explored in your book, Purpose, Passion, and Pajamas, How to Transform Your Life, Embrace the Human Connection, and Lead with Meaning. I love that title. I love everything about the subtitle too. I think we definitely need purpose and passion in our life. We want to have meaning in what we do, whether that's at home, in our family life, at work, or whatever, and I I think it's fun that you add in the pajamas piece, and I'm sure you'll tell us a little bit more about that here in just a minute. Before we get started, I wanted to share Genevieve's bio with everybody. Genevieve Pitero is all about purpose and the human connection. She was a successful television marketing executive until she dramatically changed the direction of her life. She found her true purpose when a sudden inner voice challenged her life as she knew it. In 2001, she founded the hugely successful national nonprofit Pajama Program when a six year old girl's question changed her life forever and she jumped off the corporate ladder this year the program celebrates its 21st anniversary having delivered more than 7 million magical gifts of new pajamas and new books to children through their 63 chapters across the united states what a tremendous background what a tremendous nonprofit and cause uh, and i'm excited to talk about all this with your book uh, as we explore that together today anything else you would like listeners to know by way of your background or personal context before we dive on in further
1: No, that's that's more than enough. Thank you.
0: All right. So tell us a little bit just about your backstory then. I I teased it in your bio, um, but how did you go about the process of shifting career trajectory, getting off that corporate ladder, starting a nonprofit and focusing on something entirely different than what you were doing previously?
1: Well, I never, never planned to make any switch. I had a straight line in mind. I always wanted to be in corporate America. I wanted to be in the entertainment business. I wanted to be a single woman with, um, you know, nothing to stop me from reaching as high as high as I could go. I wanted to be in a city. I worked in Manhattan. So all of those things were just was what my path was. My heart told me go there from a young age. You know, when I was a teenager. And I thought that would be an exciting, full, fun life. And being the first of four born into a really traditional Italian family, my dad came from Italy off the boat, and I just didn't really follow in the footsteps that they'd hoped that I would, you know, have a family, have children and grandchildren for them. And, you know, yes, get an education, but get married and, you know, the like, but I was... I heard another drummer. And so there I was going off to Manhattan, working in TV and I was doing, and I was living that dream that that I thought was, was, was full. And it was full of busyness. Um, It was full of travel. It was full of doing, going, Um, it was full of making money, you know, making money for me, but making money for my bosses. And what was what I thought I always wanted until 13 years in and one quiet afternoon when I heard a voice did I ever second guess myself and I was sitting alone in my apartment and I heard a voice ask me from in me if this is the next 30 years of your life is this enough and John when I heard that all of a sudden within seconds I I thought 30 years ahead and I said I'm going to be alone more alone now my life is going to be empty because all of a sudden I felt that excitement and that fun and you know that energy in my job sort of dissolve into nothingness. There was nothing left when I thought about all the stuff I was doing and stuff I had. And it didn't take me long to realize that family, which was very important to me, growing up and of course I loved my siblings and my parents grandparents my extended family but I didn't have children and I thought how can I bring children into my life and I and I knew that there was a hole there for children and that's when I started to call the police and and see where they take the children I was reading about in the papers you know we all read about and see on the news the children in our in our hometowns that are mistreated and worse and they told me some of the emergency shelters, and I called and asked if I could come and read to the children at night after work. And they welcomed me in, and that started the whole ball rolling on finding where I was grounded, where where I felt the most me, where I felt um, at home. You know, if I wasn't going to be at my my house, I grew up in with my parents, sitting on a floor in a shelter with those kids felt that was really feeling full, full of meaning and full of of love.
0: Well, I love that. And what you just highlighted with your story, uh, I think many of us can relate to. Uh I think most of us find ourselves pivoting at some point in our life and and changing direction. And and sometimes we think a linear path is what's best. Um, but I think most people tend to end up zigzagging and pivoting and and shifting course. At one point or another, or many times throughout their their adult lives, and part of it's just a, a life stage, kind of an issue. You know, you you are getting established. You're now successful. You now have an, the ability to to give back and. And you felt that call towards more meaning and purpose in what you were doing. And for you, that meant getting off, off the corporate ladder, um, actually starting with it sounds like volunteering and then feeling that meaning, then getting off the corporate ladder and starting a nonprofit and doing something that really brought meaning and purpose to you and your life. Like you said, you could see yourself doing it into the future. Um, whereas, you know, perhaps your corporate career. Is something that served its purpose for a time, but now it seemed a little bit more hollow stuff, busyness that, that can keep us occupied, but, uh, that rarely will give us, if ever will truly give us meaning, purpose and fulfillment in our lives. So all of us have to wrestle with that. I think there's no prescribed approach, um, for, for people generally, you have to wrestle with that and figure out what makes sense for you and your situation, your context, um, not everyone's going to quit their corporate job to go start a nonprofit. Um, that's fine, but there's lots of opportunities for us to volunteer, for us to get involved in a political campaign, to you know uh, get involved in a social enterprise, or or whatever. Right? There's lots of ways that we can find meaning, fulfillment, and purpose in the work that we do, whether it's in our day job, or if it's in a gig job, or just our hobbies and things that we do outside of the workplace. Uh, so I, I think all of that's tremendous, and that you had the courage to to follow that uh, and that follow that inner voice, I think, is is wonderful. So let's now get into your book a little bit more. Again, the title is Purpose, Passion, and Pajamas: How to Transform Your Life, Embrace the Human Connection, and Lead with Meaning. What do you see in terms of leadership? Uh, what will we see emerge as an inspirational leader's greatest asset as we move further into the future of work?
1: Um, Well, I think because of the pandemic, we've all, I hope, and I see, have more compassion for each other. It was a horrific experience for so many people. And for those that escaped the worst of it, it was a very frightening experience and a frightening couple of years. wearing a mask was was uh, very telling we had to look in each other's eyes which you know can be uncomfortable but it was the only way that we could figure out what we were saying we couldn't see could even read lips you know we we had to listen carefully and see some emotion in each other's eyes to understand what we were saying and in those worst times of the two years we relied on that compassion in each other and I think since we don't know what we've all been through and how we've changed, which we can read in the papers, the, the changes that are happening, both practically in workplaces, um, personally in homes, trying to readjust to working at home, working remotely, children, um, you know, marriages, families, the seniors it, that we love. I think that we have opened our hearts a little more. And I think that's very important for leaders, leaders to really understand and to include in their skills, you know, their list of skills for so many years. And I know when I was an employee, I was an employee, you know, and I didn't think there was anything wrong with that. You know, looking back, I'd rather have been a team member. And in some cases I was, but in some cases I was, and I was an employee. I didn't really have, no one asked me for my opinion. They told me what to do. And if I did a good job. I was a really good employee, you know, and and that was what I would have called myself. And I don't know how many people would would rather be in a, a team would rather be a team player now and be counted and be part of roundtables, be part of solutions. So I think the the in inclusion of everybody, I think the the asking everybody's opinion. Not that you take everybody's opinion and you know you run with it, but Everybody wants to be included and asked, and everyone wants to feel like there's something missing when they're not sitting there with the rest.
0: Yeah, I, when we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, really getting to a culture of inclusion, and now it's being extended to this idea of a culture and environment of belonging, I think that is exactly what you were just describing. So whether we're talking about traditional DEI stuff or we're just talking about how we relationally interact with each other in the workplace really matters in how much meaning, purpose, and fulfillment people derive from the work that they do in their jobs. Relationships really matter. And so we need to make sure that everyone feels like they have the opportunity to bring their whole authentic self to the work that they do, that they can provide value, that they're needed, wanted, uh, and have the ability to contribute in meaningful ways Uh, Each and every day, and that's a team kind of an environment, right? That's not an employer-employee, you know, uh, subordinate to leader kind of relationship. It's it's a fundamentally different kind of a mindset. It's a different way of approaching how you lead people. And I think that's exactly what we need as we move into the future of work. Just to be successful as organizations, I think we need that. But particularly if if we're going for purpose, passion, human connection, and leading with meaning. I think it's essential. I, I don't think you can get there without having that mindset shift and shifting the way we lead people.
1: Right. I agree. You know, it used to be military style, you know, years ago, you, you do what I say, I'm the boss. Um, and we've come through this time. And I think we were, we were headed this way anyway, where a lot of people have a choice. A lot of people are deciding I have a choice. Maybe we didn't think about having a choice. We took a job. You know what? Nobody told me, find your purpose you have a purpose. Everybody has a purpose. I wanted a job. I was told, get a job. And I'm sure that my first employers thought, we'll hire her. She'll be grateful. We're giving her a job. Not so much. You know, people are saying, not that job. Maybe not. Let me go in. Let me talk. You know, the, the, the potential employee is interviewing the employer. And I think that that's necessary. You know, everybody has, everybody wants to feel, you know, meaning in work now, not just at home. It's not it's not you work and you hate your job for eight or ten hours and then you go home and you, you you're lucky if you get a couple hours of personal time that means something to you and then you try to grab two days on the weekend and then the majority of your week is drudgery. Nobody's settling for that anymore.
0: Yeah, they're not settling for it, and you you highlighted their a, a distinct style difference—the authoritarian kind of c- command, control, fear-based leadership approach that was so common in previous generations. And I mean, Frank, quite frankly, it's still common in many organizations and with many leaders. Um, I think many leaders recognize they need they can't talk that way; like they have to at least put on the air of empowerment and support and compassion and empathy. Uh, in their leadership approach, but in terms of the lived experience and the day-to-day interactions and how they actually manage and lead, I think the vast majority of leaders still fall back into bad habits of command control, top-down hierarchy, uh, fear-based carrot and stick kinds of approaches to leadership. Um, and, and that style just doesn't work nowadays. Uh, and some people will argue, well, it depends on the type of organization, it depends on the type of work I've worked a lot of different types of jobs. I've worked in the fields. I've worked construction. I've worked in factories. I've worked blue collar, white collar. I've worked a whole bunch of different types of jobs for different organizations. My personal anecdotal experience is that in every single one of those experiences, uh, it would have been far more uh, meaningful to me and it would have produced more engagement, productivity, and extra effort from me and those around me had my boss taken more of an empowering type of an approach where they sought out my, my opinions and ideas uh, where I had, I had a voice and I had the opportunity to, to contribute and make things better. You know, even a factory job, I, I think of a factory job I had in my early twenties. Um, part of it maybe is just the way my mind works, but I can't help, but just see process inefficiencies. And I just can't help, but notice, uh, and try things to to improve situations. And so I found myself in a, in a job that was very mundane, very monotonous and repetitive. And, you know, the only way I kind of survived that this is saving up money to go to college. Um, so there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And then I just challenged myself, I made a game out of it, like how efficient can I be? How productive can I be? And do a little bit more and a little bit better every day. Um, and you'd think they would be grateful for that, like a job that previously would you know for me in the factory would take you know upwards of an hour to do this this thing um i was able to trim that back to 20 to 30 minutes uh you'd think that they would be grateful for that um but in fact what happened was they told me to knock it off um mm-hmm. be- because they were concerned about how that might impact other employees and they're worried about disrupting things and blah 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 right um and so i think in any environment, in any work kind of situation, we can make it more meaningful. I truly believe that. And a lot of it just starts with your boss, the leader in charge of the team, and how they view you, how they approach you, and how they value you. Uh, And unfortunately, we still see many making excuses for saying, well, you know, that 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 might be great for Google, but it's not something that applies to us. And I just disagree. I think it applies pretty much to any kind of workplace environment.
1: Yes. I think in addition to compassion, I think a leader more than ever needs to inspire now, you know, not demand respect or demand to, to be listened to, I think we all need inspiration. We've always all been, we'll do more when we're inspired, when we're inspired by our leader. And I think that that leader is responsible for the vision, responsible for communicating that vision, responsible for a relationship with as many employees as possible, certainly the team leaders and then, and, and requiring team managers and leaders To have relationships moving on across their teams and to communicate and to be as inspiring as they can, whether or not they're as inspiring as their leader. But I know personally, I would be, I would do much more for someone that inspired me than somebody who you know scared me (laughs) into doing something. And it it's it's unique, but you can develop a talent for inspiring, you know, it's, is living and speaking through your heart versus your head. And, you know, maybe you aren't used to that or haven't been, I know many who are, but uh, maybe one or two of my bosses in all these years really led from their heart and spoke from their heart and made decisions from you know, their heart and their head. And I think that that's rare and uncomfortable for people, but I think, I think we're all learning how to do it more and more.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and you said heart and mind, right? So it's not like we have to move away. We're not talking about just making everything a heart-based, intuitive kind of right. um, an approach and decision making. We need data-driven, results-driven mm-hmm. kind of uh, strategy and decisions, but the two need to go hand in hand, heart and mind right. connected uh, as we're interacting with people. And and to just recognize that people have different styles and that means we as leaders need to be a little bit transformative in how we approach the different people on our teams. Some people do need a little bit more of a direct approach. Other people, really, they just want you to believe in them and support them and let them loose so they can do really cool things. Know your people, know how to support them best, know how to help them achieve their potential. That's really the key. And you've already mentioned it a couple of times, and I know you you go into this in great depth in your book. But if we're looking for a workplace of purpose, passion, and meaning, which is something that more and more workers want and even demand in today's world of work, particularly younger millennial and Gen Z workers, they just expect it. So if, if we're trying to establish that within our organization, and perhaps within an organization where traditionally that hadn't been a focus uh, of Of the culture or or how they went about doing things, how can leaders and employees together work towards that end, to create that shared culture of purpose and values so that they can find meaning and passion in the work that they do each and every day?
1: Right. You said it, John, know your people. I teach Purpose Acer program. I created it because when I speak on how pajama program has embraced, The human connection has grown because of knowing each other, learning about each other, and caring. And of course, caring for our our purpose and our mission and the children that we clothe in in pajamas so they can sleep in something other than their raggedy, smelly clothes. Um, So I, I teach through workshops and conversations how to know your people, how to include them in the communication, how to hear what they're thinking. What do they like? What don't they like? Where is there a middle if it's a very wide divide? And it's a process. You know, you first the leader has to want this because for the long run, in the long run, it's going to be more successful for the company, more profitable. It'll it'll feel really good. You you'll be amazed at how different you feel when you have purpose as your North Star. It's it's amazing. And I hear it all the time because Most of us grew up up without that North Star. Nobody, our parents didn't teach us. We didn't learn it in school. We, like I said, we learned to get a job, a good job, a good job that makes money, a good job that's secure. Not what were you meant to do? What could you see yourself doing and the money will come? No, we we didn't hear that. And I don't know if I would have believed it back then, but it changes everything. Purpose changes everything. And it starts with, being willing to have those hard conversations and being willing to make some changes in the way that you led or the way that your organization is um, is designed, and it, it's really it's really about listening and knowing your people as well as what you want your company to stand for, and getting to the bottom line is. Is so much easier when you have people rallying for you, when everyone understands what you're doing and why you're doing it and what their contribution is. People want to contribute to their income, they want to contribute to a company that they feel good about. But I think we all want to contribute also to the greater good. And if that's a major, and since that is now a major reason where looking at companies more closely is because what are they doing for the greater good? And a lot of people looking for jobs now are, are considering that when they're deciding where they want to work, what are you doing for the greater good? What are we doing together for the, the greater good?
0: Yeah. And I think what what you were just saying reminded me of this idea of creating a self-renewing capacity within your organization and within your team, uh, especially over the last couple of years, as you have noted, it's been really challenging in terms of mental health, physical health, fatigue of people, just the wariness of people and the burnout that people have experienced as they've been uh, dealing with the pandemic and, and adjusting the way they work and all of those things. Uh, it, it takes a toll. And and so you want to tap into the purpose, the passions of your people. You want to have meaning. Um, but we also have to be careful of burnout. And as we connect people to their passion and their meaning, it's it's one of the best ways I know to reinvigorate people, uh, to, to build in that self-renewing capacity of your team so that people don't leave work being drained and then dreading going back to work the next day, but they leave feeling really great about what they accomplished that day. They go home, they spend time with friends, family, community, they re-energize, they get a good night's rest. Uh, they're not like sleeping horribly because they're stressed about everything that's going to happen the next day, uh, but they, they're, they wake up empowered and energized, ready to go and excited to get back to work and to work on really cool things to make a difference for the company and for the world. When we can create that kind of an environment, it's self-renewing. And you don't have to worry about burnout. And people are willing. It's the difference between compliance and commitment. It's the difference between engagement and quiet quitting. It's you know the difference between uh, people being truly energized and engaged in their work uh, versus just going through the motions. And that's what I think we all want, what we all need in our workplace. And if we want our organizations to be successful moving into the future of work with a hyper-competitive, increasingly interconnected global economy. Um, Where we're competing with companies from all over the world for employees, you know, people working all over the world uh, in that kind of environment with rapidly changing uh, the rapidly changing nature of work with uh, technological disruption, all of that messiness, we need people to be self-renewed, self-fulfilled, and that's going to help us thrive. Well, Genevieve, Perfectly
1: said, John. <laughs> yeah,
0: Genevieve, this has been a really great conversation. I appreciate all of your insights and taking time with me and my audience today to talk a little bit about uh, your work and your book. Uh, before we wrap things up for today, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with my audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, where they can find your book, and then give us a final word on the topic for today.
1: Yes, they can find me at GenevievePitturo.com. And my book is everywhere books are sold, Amazon and Barnes Noble, whatever, wherever you like, mostly online. And, um, you know, I think we will, I'm very curious where we'll be. We all are five years or one year from now. And I think those leaders that embrace the human connection, embrace purpose and find a way to marry them are going to be around and inspiring us for a very long time.
0: I think so, too. Well said, Genevieve. It's been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Genevieve and her team can do for you. Check out the book. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. If you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, enjoy ad-free listening